They had, um, you like to talk about UFOs and stuff at the start of the show. <laughs> yeah. We have a page of uh, uh, hoaxes of Colorado because oh, Colorado is good for that. Yeah, the Flying Saucer Boy from about yeah. 10 Balloon Boy. Oh, yeah, Balloon, Balloon Boy, Boy yeah. yeah he's, he's there. I said, Oh, yeah, he's a favorite. All right, headphones on. Shall we do uh, this? Probably out of college by now. Yeah. Might, might be in a loft somewhere. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's got a rock band now. Oh, very nice. Did you say a loft? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listeners. You know what? You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about a horror movie, and uh, we will spoil that horror movie. Recently watched, we'll try not to spoil... No big promises there. We're not professional critics. We are three friends who are just going to talk about stuff. Uh, sometimes three friends and a couple dogs. The dogs will wander in. Just expect that. They might bark. You might hear their toenails. Um, thank you to the Moon Race for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on iTunes or Amazon if you want to buy it digitally. Say hi to them on Facebook where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. That's housekeeping. We are here. Um, what do you guys think of the beer? It's different. Yeah. We have a peanut butter graham cracker uh, porter. porter. I was going to say stout, but it's a porter. It tastes like those two things. It tastes like peanut butter and graham cracker. I'm not sure that I yeah, like that I don't in think a I'd beer. like a whole pint of that. No. See, that's the thing about it. Is but it's strange. <clears throat> it's, it's, an, it's an adorable little treat for like a glass of it, but it's not like, hey, let's get... <laughs> Let's get shit-faced on Ooh. this beer. I can only imagine the hangover, the peanut butter graham cracker hangover. You could probably make a really good ice cream with it, though. I bet you could. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, there was something. Oh, I wrote this note last time. Hey, well, this is for you. <laughs> That's filthy. <laughs> We're not going to read it to you. It says, no, it says do little more like don't little. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> did you take my advice and go read some reviews of don't little? No, but I did see on TV that the box office was horrible on it. And um, I did notice also, I looked at, to see what was playing at Sloan's Lake. Um, listeners, we're in Denver, by the way. If this is one of your first episodes or your very first, we're in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have a location of Alamo Draft House in Sloan's Lake neighborhood. And I looked on their listings like, I wonder what's playing there. You know, maybe something really cool, something new, something old, who knows what could be there. And it says something like cats. Closed for season. <laughs> like cats, rowdy screening or something like that. I'm like, oh, they're already encouraging people to interact with this fucking movie. Yes. <laughs> I read a couple weeks ago an article about how Cats was the new Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, God, it's great. I have to look that up. I want to see that. Yeah. I really want to see Cats. 
Yeah. But I want to see it with a crowd that knows. Yeah, I want to see it with a crowd. That that especially a bunch of them that have already seen it know what to yell and when. Yeah. That's, it, it just looks so weird. It's gotta be good. Um I imagine we have some gore hounds that check us out and they're like, No, oh, these guys are talking about cats. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no gore to talk about really for a while. No. Um the lighthouse wasn't especially gory. There was some, no, some eye pecking at the end. Yeah, there was that, but um yeah, we're not really goham friendly. Uh, well, not always. Until, until Easter. Yeah, <laughs> we're not until we are, and then that's when that's when you'll know. So, the lighthouse. Before we start talking about it, I want to ask you guys: are, are we about to go into something that, like, diehard horror fans are going to be like, "That wasn't horror," or do you feel like this? Does this qualify? Sure. As part of the genre. Hmm. It's got a mermaid in it. Does it qualify as fantasy? Mm, I don't know. It's got masturbation in it. Does it qualify as porn? <laughs> Only if you can masturbate to it. <laughs> it's got Robert Pattinson in it. Does it qualify as a shitty vampire movie? <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> it's unfair. He and what's your name have been saddled with that film. Oh, that film. If it were a film, I could say, yeah, too bad, but. What did they make? Four or five of those damn things? The Twilight Easily. Series? Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever somebody's uh, having a child, I always like to say, oh, how is baby Renesme? Renesme. <laughs> Remember that was a shitty name of, that they came up with for the baby that she was going to have? No, I didn't. I never heard the baby's name. That's terrible. <laughs> Renesme. I wonder how many people name their babies Renesme. I don't know. I, I've not seen that trilogy. You've never seen, is it only a trilogy? Yep. No, it's, I think it's a, more movies. Twilight is three. Is it? Feels like it's five. I remember the, uh, when I was. Well, bring it up on IMDb. Yeah, why not? I was being driven through, uh, British Columbia for the Godzilla 2014 yeah. thing. A lot of that crew you know, had, had shot, uh, um, Twilight? Twilight stuff in that area. Ah. And, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't say anything, but they were apologizing for it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I remember the first <clears throat> one has a very TV movie feel. <clears throat> or one of them, anyway. It may not be the first one. Maybe it's the second one. But I feel like they they were afraid to to lean too far over toward horror with it. I think they were afraid they were going to lose their young adult audience or whatever well i don't think it was ever meant to be horror <clears throat> no but you got vampires that doesn't mean anything yeah they weren't drinking anyone's blood were they uh i think they do i don't remember i don't think any of the it's pretty fuzzy at this point the horrific thing is you got like a several hundred year old fella chatting up a high school girl yeah talk about a disparity in age right yeah what would they have in common uh hmm, that's a good question she's into instagram and he's into sticking people on post <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah it, yeah yeah robert pattinson the impaler she's into yeah i don't know <clears throat> mac makeup and he's into nailing hats to people's heads <laughs> what will they talk about <laughs> oh the things they've seen He's like, I still can't get over the hot air balloon. (laughs) (laughs) What sort of sorcery is this? (laughs) Indoor plumbing. (laughs) Uh, 
so guys, recently watched. Um, I've not watched much. Uh, I finished up Magician season four. How is it? It's all right. <laughs> Just all right. It's one of those series that, like, the first couple episodes, they spin their wheels and things then kind of start coming together, but you don't really get any momentum until the uh, till the final episodes okay. leading up to a cliffhanger. So it's Netflix? Yeah, basically. I guessed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's actually a sci-fi channel show. Oh, okay. And then <clears throat> I think they lost most of their budget this year. It looked really cheap. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. Mm. It's no one cut of the so dead, is it? The no. Fro- the Frogman, is he continuing? The no, show? we didn't see the Frogman. He was in on one episode. Oh, okay. You know, it, I guess it's enjoyable in some ways. But uh, other than that and The Lighthouse, I watched Inglorious Bastards again. I hadn't seen it in, since it came out. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I think I liked it more the second time, maybe. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Go back and revisit something and see what it does for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, since you freshly watched it, uh, where would the foot fetish scene be in that one? Uh, he puts a shoe, he being the uh, Colonel Landa, puts a shoe on someone's foot. Okay. I guess that would qualify. There's always something. I mean, other than, I, I don't think there's anything in Reservoir Dogs, but I think Tarantino has pretty much been wearing his uh, foot fetish on his sleeve in everything he does. <laughs> Watch, he doesn't even have a foot fetish. He's just putting that in to get people all upset and yeah. <laughs> riled up. They go crazy when I put the feet in. Yeah, yeah they you know. do. They go completely nuts. They used the to love it when I had the shot from inside the trunk. Yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't do it anymore. It's got to be he's got to keep escalating the feet stuff. Yeah. Yeah, if you wonder whether this is true or not. Um, now, although Rodriguez directed From Dusk Till Dawn, Tarantino wrote it, and and I won't say starred in it. He was second banana to George Clooney, but... Um, so, let's see. We're going to... Okay, here's what we're going to do, all right? Okay, we're going to have uh, Selma Hayek do the sexy dance, okay? Yeah, all right. And then she's going to pick somebody out of the audience. And she's going to, like, take the whiskey bottle, all right? And then she's going to, like, stick the, her toes in their mouth and then pour the whiskey down her leg. I'm going to be that guy. Uh, all right, Quentin. <laughs> I think that's kind of how that meeting went. Probably. Yeah. But there were probably a few more all rights and okays in there, but, yeah. you know. Yep, she sticks her foot right in his mouth, pours the whiskey down her leg. <laughs> He's like, how am I going to make this happen in real life? Okay, I'm going to have to write a movie. <laughs> so he writes this whole movie around this thing that he wants to happen. I think a lot of directors do that. Mm, I think you're right. You know. Yeah. So in Glorious Bastards, what else? Uh, that's it. That's all huh? I've, I've watched. Oh, man. And of course, uh, the lighthouse. Uh, that yeah, and the lighthouse. It's a longish movie. Did it feel like it while you were watching it? How long was it? It didn't feel terribly long. Mm, let's see, I got it right here. The other one felt. I mean, Inglorious sure. Bastards felt quite long. Oh, it's 109 minutes, so not terribly long. Oh, no, that's not bad. It's under two hours. Yeah, you know, for something that kind of gently escalates into crazy the way it does, or descends, I guess. Into craziness. Does it? Does, does it descend? Does it or des- escalate? How would you say that? And does it Progresses. do either of those? Or does it start off kind of crazy? <laughs> it's kind of crazy from the get. Yeah. 
Um, before we get into that, Jolene, what have you watched? Uh, I think we've all had uh, distracting weeks, so we haven't seen much. <laughs> a lot has happened. Yeah. I had a, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, the Gamera series. Yeah. You know, I did these anatomy illustrations of Gamera for the Shout Factory releases yeah. like yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, and then they're doing another box set. Uh, uh, the Arrow, the UK company is doing another box set this year. Oh, okay. And they want to use those again. Nice. And um, those were fantastic drawings. Yeah. So I'm, I, you know, I'm just changing them a bit. The listeners but, need to know that these are anatomical cutaways of the monsters, yeah. so you can see why they do what they do. So, so in Japan in the '60s, they they had uh, uh, they they did their own anatomical drawings, and they labeled the various bits that help the monsters breathe fire or project rainbows or whatever. Right. And so I just translated those, and then did my own drawings in the style so it looked as if they'd been done in the 60s. Yeah. Right. And it fooled the onion. Oh. Uh, and when they reviewed the uh, set, they said, oh, and they used these old uh, pictures from the 60s. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, right. So, yeah, way not to get credit. Oh. Um, so <laughs> if you're too good at what you do, yeah. you won't get credit. It looks like <laughs> it's, it's out like of an old encyclopedia. Like, it's like being a forger, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, uh, so I was I was just looking up. Uh, I, I just put in Gamera Anatomy as a search, and uh, I saw these my pictures with black backgrounds. I thought, well, I didn't do them like that. So I looked it up, and it was a uh, there's this site called Redbubble. Uh huh. They like do T-shirts and various things. Yeah, and yeah, they're like Cafe Press. The yeah, same, same some someone had taken Gamera images and just made shirts and stickers and things out of them. Oh. So uh, I reported it. And uh, and that, that so they got taken down. Oh, that's good. Yeah, if you that's can, a, that's a bit distracting. Sure, and if you can find out who specifically had that posted, if you can find out who the person is, yeah, and you can know, send them. I know the pseudonym, and and then I I asked what I should do on Facebook, and a whole bunch of people chimed in, and someone said they actually know the guy, and ironically, he'd done a uh, a video about how Tarantino had ripped off uh, Ringo Lam for reservoir dogs hmm. um so i'm not sure if i can you know if that's right or not but you know i'm not angry about it it's just um well he, he needs to get a cease and desist to, yeah to, to know that it's serious um yeah i'm not angry at him it's just like uh if you're trying to make money out of art you're never going to be happy ripping off someone else no even if you're making a quick buck you know no do, do your own thing and even yeah. if you do, like, <clears throat> what I do at a lot of the horror cons is I do my drawings of things. Um, I do I do a couple things that are just reprints, but those are reprints of things where no one else who might own the rights to the, to the thing is bothering to do anything with it. Not that that justifies it, but um, there are basically a couple of movie prop replicas that I make. But everything else I do is my drawings, hand screen printed, and and or some photoshop stuff i do that's really fun yeah but um yeah but you go to those cons and you walk in and there's like displays of prints of people just taking other people's art oh yeah oh man yeah are they happy with yourself doing that yeah i was right across from somebody who was ripping off everybody who was kind of in the vein of like shag or whatever um he had like all these prints of stuff that i know this guy just owns a printer or has access to someone who does printing and just 
poops out all this stuff and sticks it to panels and mm-hmm. hangs it in his booth and calls it his own. But Spoiler alert, that was the actual shag. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, shag is derivative of like the early 60s right, illustrations. Yeah, mid-century modern. Yeah, but he does it in his, his own very defined style. Right. So I won't fault him for it. He yeah, can't... He's an excellent designer. Oh, yeah. yeah. He can't say he's got this super original thing. He's got... He's got it very refined to his own, you know, set of mm-hmm. style points. Um, but I have seen people who make things to look like a shag style without going to the things he was drawing from. Right. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, people at cons, you just see every type of garbage that people will willingly do, most of which seems like it's unlicensed counterfeit crap. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have all of these resources at my disposal. I could make counterfeit everything. Right. Yeah. I don't. Other than, like I said, those two movie prop replicas that I make. Yeah. But those are things that you don't want to do without if you are a real horror fan. So that's cool. I'm providing a service with those things. Yeah. Um I got the new uh, Westward magazine, and they have a article on uh, uh, a few um, hoaxes of Colorado. Nice. So, and they have a they have a kind of Bigfoot one, mm-hmm. um, which called the Solid Muldoon. Huh? Do you hear about this one? No, I don't think so. Uh, so um, this is back in 1877. Uh, a fellow named William A. Conant of Colorado Springs, he found a stone foot coming out the ground, and uh, Dug it up, dug it up, and it was like a stone giant. Oh, okay. Uh, over seven feet tall, and it had a vestigial tail. And uh, local experts determined it was a petrified man. Mm-hmm. And P- local experts. P.T. Barnum put it on display as the solid Muldoon. Oh, okay. And uh, in, in his circus, and um, claimed it was the. Uh, uh, missing link which Darwin claims connects mankind with a beast creation. It is certainly the petrified body of a man with a tail. Uh, but, you know, it turned out a solid Muldoon was made of cement. <laughs> he turned into cement over time. Yeah, that's what happens with and fossils. pressure, yes. What do you think fossils are made of? Cement. <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, the only other movie I watched was uh, The Vampire's Ghost from 1945. <coughs> No, this is like a Republic thing. It's barely an hour long. I've heard of this one. Yeah, this is uh, directed by Leslie Cylinder, who did 107 Westerns. Wow. That's a lot of Westerns. Yeah, a lot of serials, like the Hopalong Cassidy stuff. Okay. Things like that. Uh, co-written by Lee Brackett. Oh, really? A uh, year before she worked on The Big Sleep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, I, there I he just is. brought up pictures of the solid Muldoon. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, that would not have fooled me. It doesn't look like a real dude. It does. It's poorly carved. Like that's what fossilization does to you, though. You know, it's like when you're frozen in ice, you don't stay perfectly preserved. It it moves around. You know, you get distorted. Yeah. yeah. Is that his penis? <coughs> it sure is. It's a solid multi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, speaking of Colorado. Uh, did you either of you know that Denver once had a wax museum? Did it? Yeah, yeah and where, it was on Bannock. Where like the hell? Ninth and Bannock. Oh, huh. 
evidently, uh, the Forney Museum now in Golden has a lot of the stuff from that museum, and so I didn't bring them, or I would have brought them, but uh, one of my coworkers brought me a set of postcards that contain such Colorado scenes as uh, uh, John Kennedy and uh, Mark Twain, and these are not Colorado things, mm-hmm. but... They did have Alfred Packard. Mark Twain did come to Colorado. Oh, did he? Yeah, this is another hoax, actually. Uh, so did he or did he not come? Or I don't <laughs> suppose him coming to Colorado was the hoax. <clears throat> ah, here it is. He brought it up. Yep. They look frightening. Yeah. They look. I'm assuming that's the wax person there. I think so. That might be a real dude. Yeah, that's probably the same building. I can't imagine they would have done away with that building. Listeners, go ahead and Google Denver Wax Museum. You'll see the old pictures we're looking at right now. But yeah, I had no idea that we used to have a wax museum. Yeah, you know, that was kind of a thing for quite a while. Yeah. It had its day, and then it takes a lot to get someone interested to go into one now. Like... uh, what do they have? Like one in Times Square and one in L.A. or someplace, and that's kind of it. There's one in London. One in Vegas. Uh, yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Um. So did it? Did you find out anything about its demise? No. It was a fire. Definitely. <laughs> Probably. It's always a fire. <laughs> Evidently, there's some murders happened there at night. <laughs> some teens got in there, and they were all but one killed. Yeah. One got away. Yeah. Barely. To tell the tale. Um, D.C. Oaks uh, failed to find gold in California and um, arrived in what would become Denver in October 1858. And the next year published the Pikes Peak Guide and Journal pamphlet where he promised the whole country between the Cache La Poudre and Cherry Creek is a beautiful, rich valley full of mountain streams of living water and exceedingly rich in gold. And among the people who turned up to find it was Sam Clemens. Wow. Wow. Mark Twain. Who wrote he expected to see masses of silver lying all around the ground, glittering in the sun, the mountain summits. Wow. He was a brilliant writer, but not not much of a businessman. That's why everybody's moving here. (laughs) It probably is, people. The silver is mostly run out. Yeah, that would explain the beards. Yeah. Everyone looks like a prospector now. (laughs) Never yeah. thought the beards would be a thing of the future. And riding around the scooters going, gold, gold. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Someone doesn't like gold. I better go check on Someone's this. Someone's upset about gold. <laughs> All right. Are we back on? Yeah, we're, we're good. I never We pause. never stop. I'll edit that out. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Oh. Sure, I will. Oh, and we were talking about him when he left the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, shall I get back to the vampire's ghost very briefly? Yes. Uh, so, uh, co-written by Lee Brackett, Year Before the Big Sleep. Not Sam Clements. And um, this stars uh, John Abbott. Um, he's this kind of plummy-voiced Shakespearean actor who's in Woman in White and, uh, what else is he in? Cry of the Werewolf. Hmm, okay. Oh, yeah. Around the same time. Um, so this is, he, he's, um, there's this vampire bar owner named Webb Fallon, played by John Abbott. And he's in. He's got this uh, set up in uh, Bakunda in Central Africa. Okay. 
uh, Bakunda is west of the comic book Wakanda and north of the movie Wakanda. Mm. Oh, really? Am I getting too geeky? No, that's cool. Um, <laughs> and then he's got a very flexible dancer named Lisa, who's played by Adili Mara. Um, and she's very striking. Um, uh, she, she's born as uh, Adelaida Delgado. Um, she played one of Rita Hayworth's sisters in You Were Never Lovelier. Rita Hayworth also being Latina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably the Latina of the 40s. Yes. Uh, I think Rita Cancino is her actual name. Um, anyway, so he's got her, and but he gloms on to this like, nice girl named Julie, played by Peggy Stewart. And uh, he carries her out to the jungle to the uh, Temple of Death to uh, make her his bride for all time. Sounds ominous. And uh, there's a lot of this like 59-minute movie spent with various guys from L.A. playing uh, the jungle drums, mm. which I'm always amazed by in the movie because like, they, they, they just like do this riff and then someone goes, huh, someone's like traveling 13 miles down the river to... Uh, yes. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this was, uh, this was pretty successful for, you know, by Republic standards. And uh, they followed it up with uh, the same director and and uh, uh, Adele Marina, Mara uh, were in the the Catman of Paris. Um, I was hoping they'd make a whole series of these films. You know, they, you've had the Vampire's Ghost. You know, next one should be yeah. the Vampire's Mummy, and then yeah, the Vampire's Dracula, <clears throat> the Vampire's Vampire, <laughs> the Vampire's Werewolf. But, uh, so this is yeah. Although it's like just under an hour long, this felt longer than the lighthouse. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> a lot of people just standing around. Perception is a funny thing, isn't but, it? Yeah. So uh, yeah, she gets a good uh, dance sequence and um, where she demonstrates her flexibility. And uh, and he he uh, John Abbott he does this bar fight. And if you if you know what John Abbott looks like. You know this guy would never be in a bar fight, <laughs> but, but he's, he's supposed to be playing this like really powerful vampire, so he's like slugging it out with all these like grizzled river pirate think guys. And uh, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was amusing enough. Hmm. All right. Was that your recently watched? Yep. All right. Well, <clears throat> I decided to take the plunge and watch um, Leaving Neverland. <coughs> It, um, if you like Michael Jackson, it, it definitely <laughs> will make you feel bad about liking Michael Jackson. Um, the guys seem credible. The, the, the two subjects who mainly are interviewed who talk about their experiences or their alleged experiences. Um, I don't want to say too much about it. It's a two-part documentary that... I will is, never watch. That I thought I would never watch, and I decided, <laughs> I'm going to go and watch this. I don't know why I decided that. Like, uh, anyway, uh, so I would say brace yourself if you're going to watch it. You know, you hear a lot of uncomfortable stuff. And um, <clears throat> then I borrowed La Dolce Vita from you, Julian. And I was, um, I would say it's been six or eight years since I've watched this. And I was so happy to be watching it again. In fact, I'm not quite done with it because it turns out it's a very long movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Um, so the 20th was his centenary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did actually watch uh, the White Sheik, mm-hmm. which was his first solo. How was that? Di- I never, I've never seen it. Film. Oh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's a comedy. It's probably a 
Uh, so I actually shared it with Emily because uh, it's it's not a downer like some of his <laughs> some of his stuff's a drag. I mean, a few Fleeting, years later, he, yeah. he was like diagnosed with um, acute. De- yeah, he had some form of depression. Hmm. But um, yeah, th- this one's a, a kind of his couple go to Rome and uh, there's various fantastical things happen. <clears throat> she's she's obsessed with this hero of a photo novella and. And sneaks off to see him, and of course he's pretending to be something he's not, and her husband's pretending to be something he's not, and she's after a fantasy, <clears> and uh, yeah, and <laughs> so he he's left to deal with all the in-laws who are supposed to be meeting his new bride, so he has to fake this wife who's not there. <laughs> it sounds uh, no, like she's company. <laughs> yeah, she's like she's like ill or whatever, and so he he has to go through this whole weekend of being respectable without her being there. And uh, and then she's off with this guy who's obviously not what he pretends to be. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I would say between Three's Company, Friends, and Seinfeld, they've all stolen from this movie <laughs> from the sounds of it. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that sounds like one to see. Um, Dolce Vita has got, like, a, like with any Fellini film where he had a budget, it has a huge cast. Mm. And uh, it there is some magic in Fellini... And Godard and all these guys from that era, you know, the late fifties through mid sixties stuff that they did. It just, it, there's something just magical looking about, um, how Rome looks at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they go to some construction site looking area, some crappy place, it just looks like, Oh, this is a, you know, this mystical wonderland. Yeah. Um, and the city is bustling and so exciting and everyone's happy and, and, and well-dressed people used to dress up that. So that does explain some of it, but, um, this movie, it's, it's all the late fifties, early sixties cars, um, uh, mostly late fifties probably. And, uh, you've got American cars with fins. You've got little, you know, Italian and English sports cars zipping around. I think he drives a triumph, the main character. Um, and the movie is just amazing looking and you wonder, is it ever going to get to the point? And what precisely is the point? <laughs> it's like this really handsome guy in a suit who's constantly smoking cigarettes, just kind of prowling around Rome, getting into adventures. And he's a writer slash reporter sort of. And uh, he's in all of these nightclubs and these street cafes and all this exciting stuff's happening around him. And these beautiful women want to be with him and he's having affairs. And, and it's just like, is he just going to meander through this entire film doing this? And strangely, you're just okay with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then finally something tragic happens. Oh, yeah. There's really dark stuff going on under the undercurrents. Oh, yeah. And then another really tragic thing happens. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, you know. Oh, it, it'll make sense once you get to the end. Yeah. And, and I do not remember how it ends. So I'm excited to get to the end of this one. Uh, it's 174 minutes. Uh, and it says on Wikipedia, 180 minutes, United States cut of the thing i don't know what the few minutes were they put back in but uh the criterion restoration of this thing is stunning it says at the beginning what they had to do to restore it and the condition some of the reels of film were in so i'm glad they did it once again it's like any of the other stuff criterion has gotten their hands on it's amazing looking and um just a bunch of beautiful people and you can tell who's supposed you're supposed to pay attention to because if they're not beautiful then they're a fucking grotesque troll <laughs> gargoyle looking individual <laughs> but like um but when anita eckberg hits the screen 
she's coming off of a plane yeah. and you're like, Oh, she is really remarkable looking, right? Yeah. She's stunning. And like whenever she's on the screen, you can't look at anything else. She's this amazing looking woman. And you start wondering what precisely is the point of her character in this movie? And I think it's to be this massive distraction to everything everyone else is trying to do. You know, she represents, um, you know, she's this unreal dream. Yeah. Figure. Yeah. She's, she floats in and, you know, she comes in on a plane and she just kind of floats in everyone's life and everyone's sort of fighting over her and competing for her attention. Yeah. And, uh, and she doesn't seem to care about anything. Right. And her character, I'm not sure, is supposed to be smart enough to know much about anything. We've got you got a whole bunch of stuff, uh, with, uh, stuff that's not really important, not really meaningful, right. fantastical that people are just obsessed with, and to the uh, you know, and they they they're missing out on real life. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of like a movie with a whole lot of distractions and a whole lot of fantasy going on. And, and then you get these anchoring moments of, of, uh, of tragedy or, you know, I'm not sure what else I could say other than tragedy, but, uh, reality kind of, you know, insists on itself a few times throughout the movie. Uh, anyone who's not seen this, it's, it's really amazing. And I wondered if, um, witching and bitching. Do you remember that uh-huh. where the um, the guy dressed as like a living statue of Christ? He was yeah. all painted silver and had the crown of thorns. And they're speeding, and he's sh- I don't oh yeah, know, and yeah. he's shooting the shotgun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wondering, was that somehow some homage to the beginning of of uh, La Dolce Vita, where that Christ statue is being helicoptered yeah. through the city? <laughs> it's it's just sort of floating. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a it's a bronze statue, and I'm just wondering is that in a really weird way an homage to this old movie? <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know, man. Anyway, um, so I watched that and um, uh, Lighthouse. Hmm. So guys, the Lighthouse. I haven't asked either one of you at all what you thought of it. What do you think of it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you did watch it. I did. I think. Was it like a fever dream in black and white? A little bit. It's it's odd, right? It's a little odd. So, did you at all know what a wiki was? Only from context. Yeah, you ki- you keep the wick lit at the lighthouse. I think is the original. Yeah, is the original uh, meaning of the term. So these guys are going to go do their stint as wikis. Um. Willem Dafoe's character has done it before. Um, Robert Pattinson's character has not. Um, they are, what are their characters' names? Uh, Ephra- well, Ephraim and Thomas. But are they? Are or they? are they? Yes. <laughs> we find out later that somebody might be perpetrating or hallucinating. <laughs> so um, when this thing started, were you surprised at the, the format of it and the fact that it was in black and white? Well, I knew it was in black and white, and I don't know. Yeah, the format was almost like an old television screen. Format, yeah, it was it's one old. One nineteen one. Yeah. Yeah, the aspect aspect ratio feels like maybe an old film. It is. Yeah. And they used old lenses. Oh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't dig <clears> into that. <throat> they wanted that kind of glow you get from the highlights and the the 
deep blacks and the and they used a a red filter for most of the film so that it um so you don't get the skin color right that uh hides defects and so on mm-hmm. so you get every you know mark Spot. every every line in the face right yeah yeah that's one of those things that um that you use uh in the dark room um they have what's called a uh, poly contrast filter and they go from really light purplish all the way through like reds dark red and you can really do away with a lot of defects with those it's pretty cool and you can do them when you're shooting as well like if you're shooting yeah. black and white film you can put a red filter on yeah your camera and there's a couple of shots where they they do use it where for when they show the mermaid mm-hmm. because she's like this perfect looking woman like yeah. porcelain almost and then uh, they do it when um when he looks into the light at the end oh yeah they, yeah, like, yeah take off the gel and then the the blood goes from black to you know very pale yeah yeah so um i understand they also had uh big bright lights on the set to light mm-hmm. everything because the film is so dark yes so none of the actors could see what they were doing <laughs> while they were on set like the candles were replaced with the I guess, or I guess, like not candles, but the little lanterns are replaced with like really bright, bright LED lights. <laughs> so you do not run into this very often that something's actually shot on film. Now I didn't know about the old lenses, but uh, but thirty-five millimeter film, you just don't see that much anymore. You know, it's just too easy to shoot in digital and then fake everything to look like you want it to look. But Robert Eggers is like, no, we're going to do this for real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't even let them use real nails in the sets that they built for the witch. Yeah. Got to use old timey nails. Yeah. I mean, cool. (laughs) I hope it was worth it. (laughs) I mean, feel like it was more authentic because of it. I guess. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you, but your initial reaction to this movie was like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm seeing here. Like what, what is he trying to tell me with this or uh, my initial reaction was, what are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do they want me to... Well, yeah, how are they engaging me here? Yeah, because uh, the ambient noise in it was pretty constant and... Uh, kind of Lynchian, wasn't it? Yeah, a little uh, a little loud at times Yeah, <clears throat> compared to the dialogue. Yeah, you know how David Lynch always has that throbbing like... <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, what the hell is that? Is there some kind of weird like transformer ready to explode somewhere? And this did have a lot of that. Yeah. Um Yeah, what yeah, what did Jolene, what do you think Robert Eggers wanted from us when he's pulling us into the beginning of this movie? Like filmmakers want to get you on board with their their conceit pretty early on. They don't they don't want to lose you. They want to get you in. Yeah, he's created this world, and uh, you know he's not gonna. You know, you got these these. You're just gonna have these two characters mm-hmm. uh, in this one isolated location. Yep. And at this specific point in time. Yeah. And uh, strange things are going to happen that are of this world, and um, yeah, you're just going to have to go with it. Uh, be you know, enter this world that he's created. 
Yeah. Now, do you suppose that we're supposed to pick up early on that one or both of them might not be stable? Yeah, they're both really high strung. Like straight yeah. off, one of them's really offending the other one. Right. With his farting and his telling him what to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not. It, you know, and these these people are going to be isolated with each other for for four weeks, isn't it? Initially. Yeah. yeah. Initially. And uh, um, you know. And, they're not being gentle or touchy feely about it. You know, it's like, uh, you do what I say. Or, yeah. And I'm going to be as not as obnoxious as I like. Yeah. Now, now I, it's been over a week since I watched this. Um, is uh, Thomas the, the Willem Dafoe character is, is Thomas supposed to be um, like a, a ship's captain or some sort of a ranking uh seafarer of some sort yeah i don't know his rank but yeah he made mention of being a sailor yeah until he hurt his leg oh okay yeah um i think he tells two different stories though about how he hurt his leg yeah it was it was the great white whale but he didn't quite take it off so yeah he's got his own versions (laughs) then you suspect it's probably something else like syphilis or something yeah something less heroic has done him in Right. Yeah, but he does say that he spent thirteen Christmases away from his wife, and that's why she left him. Yes, that's true. He's he's been away at sea for a long time. Hmm. Yeah, that means. Uh, yeah, he's probably done some things in port that he shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, um, so this is another thing. Uh, if you look at what Robert Eggers did, because he he wrote and directed the witch and did the costume design, and I'm sure the set design too. On this one, I didn't look to see if he did the set design. I believe he did. Probably. He, yeah, he had a production designer working on it. Okay. Um, of course, it's going to be accurate to the period. You know you know that's going to be the case. I'm sure the costumes are as well. Yes. Um, I kind of feel like we already know this guy from one movie. We know him. <laughs> you know, like he's going to do this. Um, he did create, like you, you pointed out, that they did a lot of... Um, a lot of low ceiling, so to speak, in The Witch to give you that claustrophobic feeling. And there are some things he does here in The Lighthouse to give us that isolation feeling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, and a lot of it's geared around the vertical. Yes. As well, so. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can see the tower of, of The Lighthouse, but all that means to you is you can't climb it. And if you go up on it, you might fall off of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything to cure the feeling of claustrophobia by having this vertical thing it just right. it just makes the feeling of this little island worse and he's good at this yeah too bad he didn't do nosferatu like like we were promised i know but it's probably better that he's doing his own stuff i would agree i mean even though we were going to have a doug jones count orlock who knows the next one's gonna be a viking movie the next robert eggers movie mm-hmm. oh cool i did not know that <laughs> yeah and um you guys, did you read He'll that? He'll be shot on old-timey Viking film. <laughs> <laughs> he's from the ninth century. He's he's going to insist that that they that they go everywhere in uh, old dragon ships. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. No matter where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, his brother uh, Max Eggers apparently was working on, on his own version of uh, adapting an Edgar Allan Poe story, um, which I'm not familiar with, this lighthouse story from Poe. Um, 
I guess uh, Edgar Allan Poe's fragment. It says here on Wikipedia, the light dash house. Um, but I guess Max was having trouble making it contemporary. And then I think that's when he teamed up with his brother and they're like, let's make it a period piece and let's, and let's not try to follow Poe too closely. But it feels almost like uh, more of an H.P. Lovecraft thing because we're getting tentacle stuff. Yeah, it definitely reminds you of Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah. Like everyone who's tried to do Lovecraft has screwed it up, it seems. <laughs> well, I, I made a list of, I was, I was thinking, uh, there's been a few Lighthouse movies recently. Has there? So uh, I, I made a list of like uh, Lighthouse movies and there's a few like actual horror movies ones let's hear it uh so i call them uh uh exploitation um <laughs> really <laughs> fancy name for lighthouse yeah um so you have uh so last year you had well, 2018 you had the vanishing with gerard butler and uh in 2016 you had the lighthouse which was based on the smalls tragedy which this, this one's based, based on. off of okay but it is actually based on the historical story, which was um, it, uh, there's a lighthouse which is still uh, still around, still working on the on Smalls off the west coast of Wales. Okay. And this involved uh, Thomas Howell and Thomas Griffith. Uh, took place in 1801, um, where uh, they were known locally for fighting with each other, and but then uh, uh, Griffith accidentally died. And so the other one says. Yeah, so Harold was was frightened that people would just think he, he he killed him off. Yeah. So he he made a shelf for him and put the body on it and outside his window. Oh wow! Of the lighthouse and uh, there was a storm and the shelf collapsed and so the the corpse is laying around and the the wind would catch its arm so his uh-huh. hand was beckoning. So by the time the uh, they they came they, they turned up to relieve Howell. He was just bonkers. Yeah. And um, that was uh, kind of a telltale heart type thing happening to him there. Yeah. So from that point on, it was regulation to have three people at Lighthouse. So two of them could team up with yeah. <laughs> team up against the third. One, you know, one to eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one to eat. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so that was uh, the Lighthouse 2016. Um, there's one based on a Jules Verne story. Uh, called the the light at the edge of the world. It's from 1971, starring uh, Yul Brynner as a pilot, pirate, and uh, Kirk Douglas as the wiki, hmm. and Samantha Egger as this woman that Yul Brynner's picked up. Samantha Egger, and the, yeah, and the 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 pirates take over the. This is like right down the tip of South America. Okay, like terrible, you know, place to get around for ships. Right, and um, uh, so the pirates take it over and they they want it set up as a sort of um, uh, set up fake lights so that they can wreck ships. Oh, interesting. Um, that one's that one feels like an old timey like adventure movie, but it gets really kind of gets gory at the end. <laughs> I was quite surprised. Um, I'm going to guess what it was missing was Tom Cruise. He could have just swept in and saved the whole day with that one. Um, there's one con- uh, called Lighthouse in 1999 uh, with uh, James Purefoy in it, and that one's about prisoners who uh, who uh, get washed up at this island with a lighthouse, and uh, one of the prisoners is this guy who's a who likes to cut people's head off. Mm. Um, and then there was a straight up horror one called Horror on Snape Island, which I saw as Tower of Evil. 
Um, that's a 1972 film with the archaeologists investigating this old uh, lighthouse and uh, something or someone knocking them off. Hmm. And then, of course, you've got like horror movies where where you have a lighthouse as a significant location, like the fog, right? Tormented, uh, tormented, uh, monster of Piedras Blancas. Um, and then, but anyway, a couple of years ago, there's a movie called uh, Cold Skin. So, huh. if you want to go full on Lovecraft, that's the one. It's uh, directed by Javier Gens, and uh, this is set in Antarctica in 1914. Ooh, and you have all these like. Uh, um, sort of semi, you know, sort of shadow of Innsmouth type beings who come out of the ocean, and, oh, okay. uh, and you have a mermaid that the uh, that the old the old keeper is keeping around for his satisfaction. Mm. Um, so if you want to go full on Lovecraft, that's the one, <laughs> you know, to go with. Now, this this makes me think of of what I assume is a logical question. Why do we have such an unhealthy relationship with lighthouses? They're supposed to be for our good, right? Yes. To stop our ships from crashing into craggy rocks and whatnot, or running aground. Um, why do we have such an unhealthy relationship with them? Why are we terrified by them? And like Most people are terrified of isolation, aren't they? Yeah, I think that's the thing. But most of them aren't on a little island, though, are they? They're on like a little sticky out piece well, of land a lot of them are around the British Isles okay yeah I think a lot of them are isolated yeah I would assume they're kind of in an inhospitable place yeah but um, yeah we don't have a we don't have a good way with them you know we, we've got a we've got some some issues that we need to work out with our lighthouses <laughs> um, and these days it's easier for us to get to and from places uh, safely you know, if someone were trapped in a lighthouse, I'm sure they could rescue them from it a lot easier than in these days mm-hmm. from the 1800s. But um, I don't know. That's just a thought. I'm just riffing here. I think I think we've got issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, um, did you feel there was a descent into madness or a building dread? Or did, Julian, did you think it was more of a... Excuse me. Ask yeah. me. Yeah, I'll ask you. Do you think there was dread building in this thing? or Because um, when earlier in the show I asked, did you think there was a descent into madness? Um, were they just crazy to start with? One of them for sure seemed like it. Yeah, they both seem... I, I mean, uh, Willem Dafoe seemed kind of unhinged from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. and And, you know... We did promise at the beginning that we would go ahead and spoil these things. He's not who he says he is. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> now I wonder. What? What? <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. And I used to play that game. My friend and I, the what game. <laughs> and I, I don't quite understand the purpose of the what game to yeah. this day, but <laughs> I was amused by that part. Yeah. The what game. Um, How did Willem Dafoe continue acting while they threw shovels full of dirt in his face? Yeah, that was crazy. He ate so much dirt. Maybe it was cookie crumbs. Somebody suggested that. Oh, uh, did they? I think it was yeah. crumbled chocolate or coffee or something. Yeah, yeah, somebody at work suggested that it was coffee. And uh, Wait, wait, you had a whole discussion about this movie Yeah, because I was like, 
Willem Dafoe does a fantastic job. He gets shovel full of shovel, shovel full after shovel full of dirt thrown in his face while he's buried alive, and he continues ranting, and he takes mouthfuls of dirt, and you can see him swallowing it, and he just keeps going. Yeah. And uh, she said, "Well, maybe it's coffee or some sort of chocolate," and she brought up the fact that in midsummer, the little meat pies they eat out. Uh, it's in August or whatever, in the middle, you know, uh, middle of the day, and they have these little meat pies. They made them with uh, oatmeal and cocoa powder, so they wouldn't, it wouldn't be a disgusting, greasy meat pie Ooh. sitting out on a table <laughs> right. while you do take after take after yes. take. Right. So, yeah. So I wondered the same thing. Like maybe it was, but I like to think that <laughs> Robert Eggers is like, no, get in that hall. We're throwing dirt in your face. We're using period costumes. Yes. We're using old period lenses. Period dirt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we got dirt from the period. Yeah, we scrape back the dirt till it was eighteen ninety dirt. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, but did you did you feel that it was? sort of a, a sprint to crazy or did you feel like it was it took its time getting to crazy no again i think it's they were already kind of crazy and then you just it's revealed more and more how off these two men are i think that it kind of slowly mounts up to about halfway through when they're they're sort of getting on each other's nerves and the histories are coming out and then about halfway through when he finds out he's not going to be rescued yeah, he's not yeah. going to be picked up. He and he takes to drink, and then they get into drinking turpentine with honey. Oh, yeah, <laughs> turpentine or kerosene? I thought it was turpentine. kerosene. It was turpentine. Oh, was it? Yeah, they're they're making some sort of booze out of it. Yeah. Um, now, do you guys remember this from working at the art supply store? Turpentine bad for you? Yeah, <laughs> real yeah. real bad for you. It immediately absorbs into your bloodstream if you touch it, mm. so you shouldn't touch it. Um, drinking it. Super don't do that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a big fat no. Yes. Uh, do not try this at home. Yeah. I mean, don't prisoners make booze out of like prunes and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that they had any fresh fruit or anything. Or even preserved fruit. Or bread or anything. Could have done those. Yeah. We have a joke at work. Uh, well, I guess I started it. But uh, we have a, the, big, the big container of Swiss Miss um, hot cocoa. Uh-huh. And you put a couple spoonfuls in your coffee, and I, I refer to it as a jailhouse mocha. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> I knew this guy in college whose dad had gotten sent away to a white-collar prison for some whatever businessy crime that he had done. And uh, their jailhouse mocha was a fun-sized Snickers, or not Snickers, uh, Three Musketeers, dissolved into whatever terrible coffee they were drinking. Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was a jailhouse cappuccino or latte or whatever. So... Mm. Yeah, we have jailhouse mochas at work. All right. It sounds like it should have booze in it. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Not good booze, but... Yeah, like really bad booze that you made out of turpentine. Toilet wine. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard the the um, prison booze called pruno. Yes. Because they, they use prunes as their thing that they can ferment. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> but the links that people will go to to get fucked up. Or to tattoo themselves in prison. Yeah, that too. Have you ever heard about this, Jolian? Like, they burn styrofoam cups to make the black pigment? Mm. Mm, that's good. Poke that into your skin. It's real good for you. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever met an ex-convict, they're, they've, they've, got, they've all got stories. 
my friend said that being able to draw was was a big plus when he was locked up because everybody wanted you to draw something for him. Yeah. And so he that was pretty much how he spent his days is just drawing for people. Yeah, I used to joke about that with a couple of guys I worked with because we would talk about like I don't know why we were on the subject of prison because none of us had been to even jail at all. But I, I was like, well, I can draw. So I could draw people's tattoos. You guys are going to be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. So, <laughs> um, yeah, being able to draw, being able to make booze, being able to do jailhouse tattoos. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there's plenty of stuff like that that'd be good for you in prison. Yeah. Better yet, don't go to prison. Better, yeah. There used to be a, a little shop in Albuquerque that sold prison art. No kidding? Yeah. Little things made out of like cigarette wrappers, like oh. the foil. Wow. This is all sorts of stuff. The smallest shoe yeah. in the world is made in prison. Smallest shoe? Yeah, made out of human hair. Oh, man. That's weird. Was this like a survival thing? Or- no, you're in there long enough. You just focus on it's making a hobby. something. Folk art. <laughs> so it was a folk art thing. Yeah, yeah, it was just like a human hair shoe. It was just woven into a tiny shoe. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. So the shoe museum in the shoe somewhere in Japan. The shoe museum. Yeah. The they, shoe museum. They get the biggest shoe in the world and the smallest shoe in the world. <laughs> no. And they were worn by the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was called Big Little Foot. Big Little Foot. I like it. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, this this uh, movie, I'm watching it not knowing anything about it. I did not watch any previews um, mm-hmm. unless I maybe saw a teaser trailer for it. So I'm watching this thing going, all right, I, I expect what little I know of Robert Eggers. I expect to see, um, you know, some sort of uh, dreariness, which you can kind of get that from just looking at the the box that the dvd comes in or the movie poster <clears throat> yeah, expect- one thing about that box yeah you got this beautiful black and white image yeah of the characters yeah. and then you've got a stupid cartoon tomato it just makes it oh. look so cheap oh in the corner certified yeah. fresh rotten tomatoes yes yeah. the cover yeah like you put know, it on the back yeah put it, make it a sticker you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put a just a black dot over that <laughs> See, it's much better when I just cover it up with my finger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that ruins it. Yeah. Remove my finger and it ruins the cover. Yeah, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to take a Sharpie and black it out. <laughs> or put a sticker over it. Um, and and uh, one point Kubrick perspective. Oh, yeah. The one point perspective stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but watching this. You, I like didn't... Even when, the, when he's lying down asleep and he's got a book. On it. The book is lined up in such a way that the perspective is pointing right into the center of the screen. Do you see that? <laughs> I didn't catch that in particular, but I do plan to rewatch this. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, now, now that you know generally what happens, you look for the finer points the second time through. Mm-hmm. Wait, do we know what happened? We don't know what happens. I've got ideas. We know what's shown to us. You have ideas, but it won't tell you. Right. Yeah, you're left to your own madness, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I've, I've used my own madness. So do you have some notes on that? Yeah. Okay, tell us. What did what do you well, think? Well, apart from the uh them being um Green Goblin and Batman. <laughs> also, uh That's true. The William Defoe character is uh Proteus. Proteus Homer refers to as the old man of the sea. Uh-huh. Okay. So you've got that um bit of a literary reference. I mean, this is, there's a lot of Melville in this f- film as well. 
which I expected sort of, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, yeah, a lot of the, the <clears throat> style of speaking and so on is mm-hmm. Melville. Um, but anyway, Proteus, the old man of the sea, uh, son of Neptune and Amphitrite, uh, brother of Triton. Um, and uh, he, he he's a shape changer. Okay. So something protean, something yeah. that changes shape. Okay. Uh, he's a soothsayer. Okay. He does predict what's going to happen in the movie. Um, he uh, uh, he's only obedient when chained. Oh, he gets mm. leashed in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, he also uh, uh, he also appears as Neptune in this movie. Yes. Yeah. I remember when he's he's being beaten up on the floor. Yeah. Um, hence the tentacles. Um, and then. The younger fellow in, in the original script, they're known as old and young. Oh, they didn't okay. Have names. Uh, then the other fellow is Prometheus, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's obsessed with stealing, it, with ascending the lighthouse. Uh-huh. Okay. And stealing steal the light. light. <laughs> this um, is great. So Prometheus steals lights from the gods, and then what happens to Prometheus? He's chained to a rock, and an eagle picks out his liver forever. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh my God! So, I don't think I knew that. That's how Little he was detail. at the end. Forever. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll take the lake of fire, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, and you can also... Uh, th- this has been pointed out by other people. Okay. I will go one further into this madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another Greek myth of Glaucus. Who, um, he's this uh, fisherman who, uh, who uh, sets out his fish on uh, a grassy island. And remember in the movie, he talks about eating grass on an island. Okay. Yes. And uh, he, he, he observes that the fish seem to come back to life. And uh, he, uh, he also gets a powerful thirst. Hmm. And uh, uh, he enters into the ocean and he, uh, he gets made into a half man, half fish. Oh, Ooh. okay. Merman. Merman. Yes. So that's uh, Glaucus, G-L-A-U-C-U-S. Okay. Oh, okay. In the, in the myth of Glaucus and Scylla. Not familiar with that at all. Wow. So... Scylla is the big uh, monster. That... Okay. Yeah. And Charybdis is the whirlpool. Hmm. So I, I got to wonder, like, how much of this do you think they alluded to on purpose? And how much of this do you think... They might have just stumbled into. Well, he loves his mythology and then he loves his religion. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a director that is bumbling into anything. <laughs> Nothing on here was, you know, accidental, I imagine. Yeah, I tend to think, you know, people who put a lot of effort and energy into things, I, I, I like to think that if you discover something, unless it's completely bananas and, and you know, barely a thread connecting something then it's probably deliberate. You know, like there are a lot of things people have spotted in The Shining that I really think are just coincidental. Like you can, if you start looking for numbers and patterns and things, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. But then Stanley Kubrick was kind of nuts <laughs> and did put a lot of things in his movies. So it's like... Well, he did fake the moon landing by going to the moon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm sure that would be easier to go to the moon than try and fake it. Oh, most certainly. With what we had at our disposal back in those days. So, any other observations 
about um you get the hint that the uh Willem Dafoe character killed the other mm. his last wiki and that's whose mm-hmm. head is in that basket at some point. Yeah. Yes. And then he's missing an eye and then the seagull is also missing an eye. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, he refers to goals as being the spirits of dead of sailors. sailors yeah. yeah. That's, that's that sailor. Yeah. Yeah, they're supposed to be reincarnated. And that's yeah. why you that's why it's bad luck to kill a gull. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a reference to uh, ancient mariner. Yeah. The uh, Iron Maiden song. Or, or the Ancient Mariner is <laughs> a, a reference to that old story. Right. Yeah. The actual seagoing story. Yeah. Any listeners who haven't heard Iron Maiden's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner should listen to it. <laughs> or you could read yeah, that, that, stuff. That song got a lot of <laughs> lot of boys through uh, the literature exams <laughs> back in the day. I bet it did, man. <laughs> you get the whole, it's like a 14 minute song. You yeah, get the yeah, whole story. There's the whole quotations from the poem and, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can you could get through that exam with just that song. And Bruce Dickinson <laughs> was delighted to be performing that. I I saw them I think twice where they well I saw them I think three times, but I think I saw them twice where they performed it. Yeah, Dickinson was really into it. So, yeah. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Um you can read stuff or you could just listen to old metal songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to choose. You could do both. Um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like, um, by the end of this thing, I was thoroughly confused with what the writers and director were, were doing and that I really was going to need to watch it a second time. Now, having gotten all that from you, you can read that into it. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm happy to keep uh, that. You can you can just take it as there's these two guys on an island and they're both kind of crazy to start with and they go really nuts. And yeah. really drunk. And and yeah, then, Eugenia said, I think that movie was about isolation. It's like, I don't think that's what that movie was about. Right. But, but it's also isolation specifically with men. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there was some toxic masculinity going on uh, my, there. One of my favorite parts is where they're slow dancing with yes. each other and they go to kiss. And then they start to fight. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys with your self-loathing. <laughs> Your, your homophobic self-loathing. Yeah. Just go ahead and make out. Come on. We know both of you as actors can handle it. <laughs> that would have that would have been really something. Well, you get a fair amount of sperm in this movie, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There are bodily fluids of various descriptions. Uh-huh. Oh, man. A very phallic lighthouse. There's way more than 10 cc of sperm coming down at the <laughs> ceiling at the end of that movie. <laughs> Oh. oh man okay and the other thing I, I really liked about it was um uh it was a pleasure just listening to this movie yeah the ambient sounds the sound design the music sound design was fantastic on this and, and the language oh I, yeah that's one thing uh i'm glad to see repeated from the witch is mm. edgar's language use of language is fantastic i'd like to watch it again with subtitles though yeah I had to because uh, I can't. I don't have a fancy sound system. So yeah, I had a hard time hearing some of it. And like the witch, it takes about five minutes to get into the pattern of their speech mm-hmm. before you're like, "What? What are they talking about? Is this yeah. even English?" Actually, um, you reminded me of like a, you know when you're you're watching Shakespeare, it takes you a while to click into. Yeah, but uh, I thought you know 
this if I watched this if I watched an adaptation of The Tempest and then watched this and see what would come out. Oh yeah, I could see that'd that. be interesting. Well, just saying that you know uh, Melville, it'd be interesting to see Eggers do a. a Moby, Moby Dick. Moby Dick. I, I saw oh, a, yeah. that when they're eating, I think the first meal they have, they've got, it looks like a cigarette packet, but it can't have been at the time. Yeah. But it's got a white whale on there and it's called whale something. Oh, okay. And it's mm. on the table. Yeah. I have to watch it again to yeah, see that. Yeah, that. that can't be, that's no accident. No, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. There, again, there's no accidents. You know, there, there might be some, some things we go a little crazy about trying to connect, but yeah, there's no accidents on screen in this thing. Cause if, if there were, they, you know, <laughs> they worked an end of the story. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, some of the, some of the notes on Wikipedia point out that, um, a 70 foot working lighthouse was constructed specifically for the film and yeah. it could shine its light 16 miles. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> was made out of plywood too. <laughs> and they just hung like a like a front on it to make it look like stone. Oh yeah. I read. That's uh, what I would do. Yeah. So up in Nova Scotia or somewhere else. Yeah, and the yeah. locals wanted them to keep it, but oh. it's not stable oh, yeah, enough. It wouldn't to, stay up. No, it'd blow down like the <laughs> next day. <laughs> right. Surprised it didn't <clears throat> blow away in the the actual storms they had. Oh man. Yeah, that the the stormy weather in this was insane. Yeah, it felt very cold. So yeah. were you comfortable with the the navy speak? Was there stuff you couldn't understand? No, um, I think once I once like you said clicked into it. Yeah. It wasn't too hard to understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. I felt the same way with the witch. It's like when they first start speaking in the witch, you're like It takes a it takes a little okay, bit. Okay, that's English, but <laughs> wow, it's different. Yeah. Now, now you were in the Royal Navy. Uh-huh. Um, was there some stuff you that you specifically noticed that you know in, in, the layman wouldn't know? Because I read a bunch of uh, I I read Moby Dick a couple times pretty early in life, so I picked up a lot of the nautical crap <laughs> that you would not normally know. Yeah, when they're referring to the dory and the the yellow girls and things like that, that's like old. That's old. Yeah, Navy old, speak. old timey. Yeah. yeah. What, what were those things? Now that you say that, uh, Dory is the little boat that yeah. you see him in. Oh yeah, yeah. That that he w- smashes he... with the axe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you would normally think lifeboat or dinghy or something. Yeah, it's, but it's, Dory... like, it's like a high-sided, pointy-ended dinghy. Yeah. And yellow gu- yellow girl is a mulatto. So it, the, the song they're singing about. Oh, um, it's okay. about a brothel in the West Indies. Okay, yeah. so some somebody of mixed race. Um, sometimes you will hear, and it's kind of a slur to say it, but they'll say someone is high yellow. Yeah, I think high yellow is like, uh, it was slang for someone who's black, but they can pass for right, white. Right, yeah, right. Um, and, but yellow girls uh, uh, refer to Creole, mulatto uh, yeah. women. And, uh, and uh, yeah, they, they, so they'd be you know, mixed parentage and... Um, and and this this particular version of the song refers to the, them singing about a brothel in the West Indies. <laughs> and you wonder why sixteen Christmases of doing stuff like that, why the guy's wife left him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he didn't kill her with the wool he brought back. Yeah, right. And and you know, annoy her to death with the racist songs he was saying. 
and all the drink and turpentine and drink other and turpentine. <laughs> all the other antics. I did wonder why uh, why uh, the younger guy tried to carry that barrel up those stairs. Yeah, when they had a hook on the outside of the yeah, that was the weird. lighthouse. It's like, right. don't they have a pulley? And then he made I him mean, carry that's it how back they down. Mostly would do it. With, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, why didn't he use some smaller vessel and just yeah? Take and it then out. that's what he did. Yeah. He was like, here, I use this. <laughs> Holds up that oil can yeah, he thing. Just kills his back with it, dragging oh, it up the stairs. God. Then, then you have to drag it back down. <laughs> And Robert Eggers made him carry that actual thing up there. <laughs> Full. So, oh, was this reference to Sisyphus? Oh, Ooh, yeah, maybe. Right? <laughs> Pushes the barrel all the way up and then... Has to bring it all the way back down. Yeah. I guess mm. it's not really... I mean, it didn't roll over him, but right. it's pretty close. It didn't roll back down. No, he, but... he, he says he'd like he, if he orders him to do something and tear it all down and do it again, then he has to do it. Right. Know? Yeah. It's a kind of purgatory... And it's bad enough that he's making him push that crappy wooden wheelbarrow full of coal. And, then, and at first I'm like, oh, that's miserable. And then there's like the wind and rain and it gets tipped over. I'm like, ooh, that's real miserable. Yeah, we were wondering. I don't imagine water does anything to coal. It's just a rock. So. Right, it wouldn't. It wouldn't stop it from burning. But yeah. holy crap, but, that would be miserable. Yeah, it's like, why couldn't they, you know, at least make a little pathway to push that wheelbarrow up there? But Mm-hmm. You know, as someone who's pushed many, many wheelbarrows full of wet concrete, um, I got to tell you, it ain't fun. No. On a good straight flat path, that looked miserable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Super crappy wheelbarrow on a super crappy yes. path. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the only thing you can do when you're wheeling something is to just keep wheeling yeah, and just get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Keep your balance and get it over with as soon as possible. <laughs> oh, man. So um, this movie um, was very successful. Uh, it was made for about fourteen million, fourteen point two million. I'm sorry, four million. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't what? that much. No, it was it was made for four million. Uh, that was the budget, and it made fourteen point two million at the box office. Most of that budget went to uh, dirt chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> cookie crumbs, cookie crumbs. They were mashing up. Pulling Oreos apart and mashing up the cookie bit right. until they had a whole grave full. And they're like, <laughs> and, the, and yeah, I'm sure like the... Uh, yeah, Willem Dafoe put on so much weight in this movie. Oh, yeah, man. The, the art department was like, no, Robert, we have what's called a Cuisinart. And he's like, did they have Cuisinart in the 1800s? Yeah. No. He no. <laughs> crushed that with a rock. <laughs> but they didn't have Oreos. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Actually, I think they did have Oreos. In the 1800s. Yeah. That's an old cookie. <laughs> They're all from the original pressing, too. <laughs> mm, I demand actual lard, sweetened lard in my Oreos. That's right. Time-appropriate uh, Oreos. Yeah. I think actually Hydrox was the first one. It was. Yeah, yeah, Hydrox predates the Oreo. The Oreo, but everybody always thought it was the other way around. No, they thought Hydrox was the copycat, Yeah, but, but it wasn't. No. No. And, and you know what? Truth is, Hydrox are better. Yeah, but you can't get Hydrox anymore, I don't think. I don't know if they quit making them, but... Jolene, did you have Hydrox cookies? Nope. Nope. Don't Biscuits. Like Oreos. Yeah, okay. You don't like Oreos either? No. No, I'm not. I don't mind the cookie bit, but I don't like Crushed the cream. Crushed into ice cream. Yeah, that's bad. That's yeah, sure. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It took people long enough to figure that one out, didn't it? Did it? Like cookies and cream? 
Like seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. Like we, someone thought to dunk them in milk, you know, take that a step further. Whatever happened to rum raisin? You don't see it much anymore. No. You know, there was an article, you know, some clickbait article, but it was an article nonetheless that was talking about some stuff that's just going to go away because millennials don't like it. And well, I guess, you know, to put it in better terms, that isn't clickbait. Younger generations aren't going to care about certain things and they are going to go away. You know, like there's hard candies. Like boomers? (laughs) That's right. Ah, the smell of your impending irrelevance. Um, No, uh, like there's certain hard candies that aren't going to continue to exist because even guys our age aren't buying them anymore and younger people sure aren't. So stuff's going to go away. No, the circus peanut is forever. (laughs) Well, because, you know, it'll never decay. Yeah. But anything with a Gollywog logo is going to stick around. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. (laughs) So... um, I, I, yeah, I kind of think that some, you know, some stuff's just going to die a natural death. Butterscotch candies? Were there's originals? I hope not. I like those. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm old. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Peanut butter beer? Mm. Peanut butter graham cracker beer? Yeah, that's a, that's here to stay. I think the millennials will get rid of that one, I hope. Oh, they all, they all want IPAs. What the hell's wrong with you guys with your IPAs? I don't know. Bitter beer. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> another film this this reminded me of is uh, Sunshine, the Danny Boy film. Yeah, I never yeah, saw that that's one. a space one, right? Yeah. Michelle Yeoh and... Um, it's where he's on a game show on a spaceship <laughs> fighting zombies <laughs> and heroin addiction. Uh, well, I haven't seen it in a while. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, but anyway, you, you've got this crew and they're going out to the sun and getting really close to the sun and you have this like great light which becomes this... It, it just like alters them physically and spiritually hmm. as they move towards this this light uh, cool. it kind of reminded me of that a, a bit okay um check it out if you want to yeah are you gonna loan me this one yes once upon a time in hollywood uh, yeah i really need to um, see that one of you can borrow the dvd and the other can borrow the blu-ray that's Hell, cool. one of you could take the digital yeah. no, copy. I, I've, I've got it on order at the library. So okay. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I've been giving my digital copies to Ziggy. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you want, I'll give her that one. Yeah. Yeah. She might really dig that movie. Um, She'll probably say it's slow. And why'd he kill those hippies at the end? Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> we could, I watched it again. so We could bleep that out if you want. Um, it keeps getting better every time. Oh, yeah. Like a... Uh, Oh, what was that one that I kept watching? The Mummy? No, Videodrome. <laughs> Videodrome, yeah. yeah. Holy wow. So, um, anything else that you guys want to say about the movie? Before we kind of wrap it up and talk about whether we think others will enjoy it? Yeah, I don't know if I can recommend this to anyone. Really? Now, you subjected your wife to it. How did she do with it? Uh, yeah, we neither of us really know what to think of this movie. Which is kind like we of, didn't hate it. It's kind of a cool feeling. I liked feeling. it. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't not. share it with Emily because it's got a. It's got a puking scene in it, <laughs> and, and b. An animal gets realistically killed. Yeah, yeah. not actually, but she's no. had quite enough of the vomiting. I yeah. was going to tell you uh, last time that I saw somebody did a 2019 supercut of all the vomiting <laughs> scenes they really? could find because <laughs> they that year. they declared 2019 the year of the vomit. Oh wow! And I guess it appeared in a lot of movies. Yeah. So have you, have you ever heard the um, the term the Technicolor yawn? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of mm. funny that it would be, you know, cinematic vomit. You could, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Psychedelic yodel. <laughs> Psychedelic yodel. That's a good one, too. Driving the porcelain bus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, saying hi to Ralph. On the big white telephone to Europe. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely he's one of the one to watch directors. Mm-hmm. The mermaid, definitely the one to watch model who plays dead dead mythological creatures. (laughs) She's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She did a nice job playing dead. (laughs) I don't know what to say about her. You look great as a dead mermaid. (laughs) But uh, She wasn't dead the whole time. No, that's true. She wasn't. Um, Like a... what was that one called? The Autopsy of Jane Doe? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that woman was stunning as a dead person. <laughs> oh, God, I'm a necrophiliac. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so um, you don't know if you could recommend it, though. I, I do. Oh, you, you... I'm not just not going to share it with her. Oh, okay. All right. And, you're, and Will, you're not sure you could recommend it to... Yeah, it'd have to be specific people I'd recommend it to. I would say, yeah, that's definitely, you'd have to curate that list of, I wouldn't just say, hey, everybody on Facebook, you should totally see Lighthouse. You know? Well, maybe I would do that. I might do that because I think a lot of them deserve, on on the toxic hellscape that is Facebook, a lot of them deserve to watch (laughs) something weird. I I read a lot of reviews on this movie that were one out of ten on IMDb by people who were stupid a little stupid yeah mm-hmm. uh, i think if, if you like kubrick or bergman yeah yeah it's definitely up your alley this. yeah well cool uh even if uh not as weird as lynch but i think it could be light yeah. lynchian yep ask i am i would say equally as excited about robert eggers and jordan peele you know these are the two guys <laughs> i feel like we could pin our hopes on them to keep making good stuff or stuff that at least is super intriguing yeah, and, and st- weird stuff. You'll still be talking about. Yeah. I know Ari Aster to that list. Okay. Um, I don't remember what his next movie is, but I believe he said it would be a comedy. Mm. So, all right. Might be interesting. Yeah. And, and we at least have people we can say, it's hopeful because yeah. there, there there have been periods of time where it's like I don't know who's going to make anything good, like they keep retreading the same garbage sometimes in Hollywood, and you wonder when some you know when's a new voice, when's some fresh perspective going to come along, right. and here we have it. You know, yeah, I, I still I think of someone in, uh, like uh, Peel and Eggers. I think uh, they're so into the genre they'll keep keep making interesting horror movies. So uh, that's. I keep looking for them in that sense. Astra, I think of someone who's going to do other films, yeah. and do really good ones that I'll, I want to see. But I'm not, I'm not classing him as as, as, as strictly as a horror. horror. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Um, but yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't make more horror oh, yeah. movies, yeah. though. He's very good because <laughs> yeah, he had said like after uh, Heredity. Uh, 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 that he wasn't the next one wasn't going to be horror and then <laughs> turned turned around and yeah it was horror so okay I, I didn't hear that Let's so see. <clears throat> we'll see if he does the same thing 
Because what he says is a comedy. I mean, he classified Midsummer as a breakup movie, <laughs> which it totally is. It's an awesome breakup. Yes. No, movie. I haven't yeah. seen oh, it's it a yet. Horrible but breakup. But isn't still it? Funny. Oh yeah, that is the most uncomfortable bits are Nightmare. are that couple. Yeah, and how and they're just like, oh, break up already, break up. <laughs> but they're both too afraid to, you know, rip the bandaid off. It doesn't say anything in Wikipedia about what he's up to, but I think IMDb oh, would be the place. Let down. I know. What are you going to do? But, uh, yeah. Um, He's only I, 32. Did you know about the New Mexico connection? No. Oh, well, you can be proud of uh, this. He graduated from College of Santa Fe in Santa Fe, New Mexico, earning a Master of Fine Arts huh. from the AFI Conservatory in Los Angeles, and then apparently started making movies. Huh. That's cool. Um, let's do before we get out of here. Let's do a real quick IMDb so we can uh, see what that project is because the listeners might be super curious too. So we'll just check it out and then uh, while I'm doing that, I want to say I would recommend this to horror fans. You know, and, and challenge yourself a little bit. Why don't you? You know, if if you're just thinking, oh well, this is horror, but kind of not. Well, so I just watch it anyway. It's cool. Uh, doesn't say he's working well, usually, anything. It, usually it's listed here Yeah. in this section. Like it'll say like something's in pre-production or whatever. I don't see anything in pre-production. So, all right, fine. We'll, we'll wait and find out. But, um, yeah, I, I would say horror fans, you know, give it a look for sure. And, uh, non-horror fans, you're going to get weirded out by this. So maybe don't bother. I'd recommend it to fans of the sea. Yeah. Fans of lighthouses. Yep. Anyone who goes to Starbucks and looks at their mermaid logo. Moby Dick fans. Moby or, Dick fans. Or dickheads as they're known. Uh, Theater. People who want to hear Willem Dafoe say, you spilled your beans. <laughs> numerous times. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so. People who want a recipe of turpentine and honey. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, off Broadway theater, off Broadway theater, people who love seagulls should probably steer clear. Yeah, yeah. and I won't tell you ways to make them explode <laughs> because there's a horrible thing. We shouldn't tell anyone. No, no. Um, there's a super easy way to make a seagull explode. Mm, with Alka Seltzer. I don't what, believe that's true. <laughs> Apparently, it is. Really? I don't think they literally explode like a bomb. I think they they just like choke and bloat and fall over dead. Hmm. Next time there's some at the King Supers parking lot, I know what I'm feeding them. <laughs> we'll see if this is true. <sighs> they are flying rats. I did subject my... Uh, my uh, Unlike people who are so good for the planet. Yes, yes. We're, we're the good ones. Everyone else is the villain. We did have a couple of doves when I was in high school, and I had heard the rumor that you can't throw rice at weddings because doves explode. I fed the doves rice. No explosions. They don't like it. They prefer bird seed, but uh, yeah, no explosions. Yeah. It's just so you don't slip on it because it's yeah. on concrete. And, and you, you know what's annoying about that is, okay, rice is like roller bearings. Yeah. Well, bird seed is like ball bearings. So yeah, what's exactly. the difference? Well, they don't want to attract rats to a church. Oh, that too. <laughs> yeah, they've got enough problems with who gets attracted to churches. 
Uh, don't worry, there's there's no super religious people listening to this. No one's made it this far into the podcast before. No. It's like, oh, they're doing the ban- <laughs> they're doing like newscasters do. They're bantering their way out of it. Yeah, oh, well, man. it's a podcast. It's free. We don't get paid for this. We do this because we why, love you. Why is that? What? Yeah. <laughs> we love you. Yes, yes. All right. Shall we? Um, shall we figure out between now and the next show how we're going to kick off Women in Horror Month and then do that? Uh, you had suggested Atlantics. Yeah, that's a good one. I think yeah. we should do that. Okay. Atlantics? Yeah. That covers your women and black history. There you go. So then we can get right back to white men. Yeah. 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 Old and white guys. giving them the attention they all deserve. That's right. Um, I actually did get about <laughs> so halfway through that movie. I was too sleepy and knew I better shut it off. And Which movie? Atlantics. Oh, Atlantics. Yeah. So I'm going to get back. I'll probably just start it from the beginning and mm. watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it all through again. Yeah. Because, um, again, you get submerged into the f- the feel of something. You don't just jump back into it. Yeah. So Women in Horror Month, we're going to have some uh, some women guests on the show. Um, probably For- probably returning. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, it'll be a good month. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll, maybe we'll tie something in for, um, uh, Valentine's day, perhaps. Maybe. I've never seen my bloody Valentine. Is it any good? What? Never seen it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah I'll bring that next time. Okay. I'll look there forward we to go. That. All right. So shall that's we, a, that's I, a, I yeah. can bring you the, the band and the movie. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So let's call it a show and, uh, and get back here in a week and we'll do this all again. Listeners, thank you for listening. Why just spell your beans? <laughs> <laughs>